When will potential QB stars Justin Fields and Trey Lance start their first NFL game? Did Urban Meyer use Tim Tebow for business? Which division title will be the hardest to claim? Tune in to find out and join me on today's NFL journey. What is up, everybody? My name is Keanu, and I hope you are having an amazing Friday. Obviously, we are here to talk about some football, so let's kick off with Keanu. So, I wanted to first talk about sitting, sit versus start. So, which NFL QBs from the first round this year, when will they start, and will they lead their team to the desired playoffs so they can try to get that Super Bowl. Let's start off with our number one pick, Trevor Lawrence of the Jags. So I predict him starting at starting week one from the jump when they're playing the Texans. Reason is, is because the entire reason why you would get a QB first pick of the first round of the NFL draft you're not going to sit them first week. You're not going to sit them second week. You're not going to sit them any week unless they're injured. He started week one against the Texans. I'm saying they're going to win. As to whether they're going to get to the playoffs, I don't think they're going to get to the playoffs this year. I think they'll come close. Reason is because Urban Meyer has his quarterback. Now, they need to just get supportive roles so they can get to where they want to be. They need to improve their defense, they need to improve their offense, revamp their old line, get protection so Trevor Lawrence can lead his team to the playoffs. Not this year, but maybe next year. Next one we have up, pick two, round one, Zach Wilson of the Jets. I have him also starting week one. Again, there is no reason you should be sitting a quarterback out if you're getting him the first or second overall pick of the NFL draft. You're going to start him week one. He's going to play the Panthers. And I don't have him getting to the playoffs either just because, yes, the Jets are getting the, the quarterback they want. Robert, Sa- Robert Sala is finally go- going to get his quarterback in this first year of being an NFL head coach. Yes, they did get more supportive roles. They improved their offense. They improved their defense a bit. But the thing is that we have to remember is that the Jets are in the AFC East. They have the Buffalo Bills to play twice a year, twice a season. They have to play the Patriots. They have to play Belichick twice a season. You have to play the Dolphins twice a season. Let me remind you of the records. The Bills, they went 13-3. and The Dolphins went 10-6. and with Tua and Tua's most likely he's he's not doesn't look like the best quarterback out there. They went ten and six with him. They have an amazing defense. Xavier Howard last year had like ten interceptions. And again, remind you, Bill Pelichick they have to play twice a week. That's around at least four losses in the season. Giving them a couple uh upsets. So I do have them winning more games than they did win last season, but they aren't going to make the playoffs simply just because of the competitiveness of their division. Trey Lance, the third overall pick in the NFL draft, drafted by my Niners. I have him starting week three. And yes, this is very flexible. I had a lot of difficulty in figuring out 
when this man is going to start. Because the thing is, we have to think about who the Niners are with Jimmy, with Jimmy G and without Jimmy G. Jimmy G, with being as a starter, he is 22-8 and eight with the Niners. 24-9 in the postseason. Rip to that L in the Super Bowl. And without Jimmy G, the Niners are 7-26. and 26. We are a losing team when Jimmy G's not playing. We are a winning team by far when he is playing. But the thing is, we also have to remember, he's played since the end of the season of around 2017. He's been here roughly three and a half seasons, and he's missed an astounding 23 games. That's almost a season and a half of just purely sitting out and just injured but he also knows the system so I have Jimmy G starting the first couple weeks of the season as a test he gets to play two easy teams in the beginning of the season relatively the Lions who have nobody they lost their wide receiver one and they switched Matt Stafford with Jared Goff who honestly my opinion is a little worse than Stafford and that's going to be an easy W if Jimmy G can produce Then we have the Eagles. Yes, they have Jalen Hurts, and they had a bunch of offseason additions, but they're they're no match for the defense that we have. So these first two weeks should be an easy two weeks. If Jimmy G can't step up to the plate, Kyle Shanahan, he's going to make the smart decision. He's going to put Trey Lance in, and he's going to get his reps. He's going to get his starting. He's going to be able to play his first NFL game. Moving on to Justin Fields of the Bears. I have him starting week four for the Lions. And by the way, I forgot to mention, I do believe Trey Lance will make it to, uh, when he starts, he will be able to get his team to, this, to the playoffs. Purely because we have everybody coming back from injury. We have our, our entire defense is back. We're getting Nick Bosa back. Uh, Fred Warner is going to get better. It's going to be insane. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is getting better. Debo Samuel is getting better. George Kittle is getting better. They're all still young. They're getting healthier. Moving on to Justin Fields. I have him starting at week four against the Lions because these are the first three weeks. The Rams, they went, what, 10-6 and six last year? They beat the 12-4 and four Seahawks. They put up somewhat of a fight against the 12-4 and four Green Bay Packers or 13 and 3 Green Bay Packers. Week 2, the Bengals. Yes, it's not a terrible team, but it's not going to be easy for Justin Fields because Joe Burrow, it's his second season. He's coming off the injury and he has Jamar Chase in the field to throw to. Week 3, the Browns, a very solid and defense stud filled team. I don't see that as a good game to have your first NFL start, especially against that Browns defensive line week four against the Lions. that's going to be a lot easier to play through considering it's an easier matchup because the Lions went five and 11 last year they either stayed the same or got a little less little worse they also have a new coach and that's going to be difficult with setting a system up for the Lions. so I think that's a good bit for Justin Fields to have his first NFL start and I do believe the Bears will make it to the playoffs. I think they're going to get the lowest seed in the playoffs purely because if Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, he will get he will win the division 100%. Uh but 
Bears, remember, they had an amazing defense last year. And Matt Nagy with Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, he went 8-8 eight and eight these past two seasons. That's insane. Matt Nagy's a good coach. He'll be able to develop Justin Fields in the correct way. And just and think about it this way. Dalton's going to play these next few weeks, these, these first few weeks, and it's going to be a test like for Jimmy Garoppolo. If he doesn't produce, if he doesn't step up, he's going to get benched. And Dolph, Dalton, he's 33 years old. He's not going to be the future of the franchise. That's not what a 33-year-old quarterback is. Unless you've been there forever, which this is Dalton's first year. He's a good backup. Look to the 2020 season. He played nine games in replacement of Dak. He went four and five. That is solid. That is not spectacular like Teddy Bridgewater did for the New Orleans Saints when Drew Brees got injured. But it's not terrible. Like going one and eight. He went four and five. He got a solid good four wins. He went 14 touchdowns to eight interceptions. That's not a bad ratio for a backup quarterback. And he had 65% completion rate. He's also durable. He doesn't miss a lot of games. For reference, he played nine years with the Bengals and only missed 11 seasons. And also, Fields is the future of the franchise. Fields scored scored a 130 on the Wonderlick exam, which kind of assesses their the QB's IQ. And any for reference, anything over 100 is good. And for more reference, Mahomes got a 108. He's a very smart quarterback in deciding what decisions to make on the field and when he is pressured. He's going to be able to lead his team to the playoffs simply because of how smart he is and the defense. Also, they're getting Tariq Cohen back, and they have Allen Robinson as a solid wide receiver one. Lastly, we have Mac Jones, Patriots. I don't have him starting at all. I do have the Patriots going to the playoffs, though. Let, so, Mac Jones would be competing with Cam Newton for the quarterback position, correct? Right. So, let's take a look at Cam Newton's stats for the 2020 season. Cam Newton had 66% completion rate. In his MVP season, he had 60% completion rate. In the 2020 season, Cam had 10 interceptions, the same, the, the same number of interceptions he had in his MVP season. And he had two more rushing touchdowns, a total of 12 rushing touchdowns in the season prior, compared to 10 rushing touchdowns in his MVP season. And now he's going to be able to get more, not just more rushing yards potentially, but he's also going to get more passing yards because last season he had Nikhil Harry, only Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman. That's why he... This was his lowest passing yard season because he had no good wide receiver to throw to. But now let's look at the wide receiver and tight end lineup for the Patriots. Nelson Aguilar, good. Nikhil Harry, okay. Hunter Henry, very good. Johnny Smith, very good. Kendrick Bourne, good. That's a, that's a solid wide receiver and tight end core. He's going to be able to he's going to be able to step up to the plate and get at least 3300 yards this season. Also, Cam Newton led the league in rushing touchdowns with 12 in for quarterbacks. It was his first year in the system and first year off a series of injuries that have been plaguing him for years. He's going to do amazing in my, he, compared to his 2020 season. He's going to do a lot better. And with the 
Patriots solid defense, they're going to be get they're going to be able to get into playoffs. And also remember, Belichick is not going to allow himself to not get into playoffs back to back. He's not going to take the risk of putting Mac Jones in, who we're not even sure is a good quarterback yet. Because remember, he comes from Alabama. In Alabama, you have around ten thousand seconds before you're rushed by the offense by the the opponent's defensive line. He also had wide open targets to throw to. It's it was more Nick Saban system than Mac Jones skill. So we're not even sure if he's going to excel in the NFL. So Belichick's not going to take the risk yet. He's going to put Cam Newton in the driver's seat, and he only put Mac Jones in if there's a blowout and he can get practice. Okay, so we all know that Tim Tebow was going to Jacksonville. There were the rumors there. People were kind of bashing Tim Tebow. It's like, okay, you're 33 years old. Why are you going to the NFL? But, and they're also bashing Urban Meyer. Your credibility is getting destroyed and everything. But coming from yesterday's official signing of Tim Tebow, it's more of not ruining Urban Meyer's credibility, but it's, it's business. In my opinion, it's purely business. So Tim Tebow signed a one-year deal with, the, with Jacksonville yesterday. And before he played in the NFL, he for the second time, he played in the uh, minor leagues for the Mets. And the Mets even said something along the lines of they used him for money. They spent 100000 plus on him, and this is what they got. They got an 18% attendance increase for the minor league Mets team. Tim Tebow became the number one bestseller in the MLB shop. And the minor league team recorded the highest attendance in their history. So how? So why wouldn't Jacksonville use him as a PR stunt just to get pure revenue? Because think about it this way. Jacksonville, excluding the 2021 season... Jacksonville has been in the bottom, or 2020 season, Jacksonville has been in the bottom half in game attendance since 2006. They have never exceeded the 16th, they have never been in the bottom, the, the top half of attendance in over 15 years. That is insane. All right, so moving on to competition chaos. So we know from last year, there were a lot of competitive divisions in the NFL. There was the NFC West with the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Niners. There was the NFC East. Yes, all the teams there were did not do the best. They all, all of them had losing records. They did not do well at all. But it was still very competitive. And what I refer to as competitive is that the standings in and who did won the division depended on the last game of the season. So I just wanted to, I'm just going to go through all divisions and just rank them from the least competitive to most competitive and explain why. At number eight, we have the NFC North. The Packer, the standings last year, the Packers, 13 and three, Bears, eight and eight, Vikings, seven and nine, Lions, five and 11. So just from there, you can tell that's not competitive at all. There's a five-game gap between the Packers, the first, the first team in the division, and the second team in the division. The Lions didn't get any much better. The Vikings are just going to get improved a bit. They still need a good quarterback. Their wide receiver one's getting a lot better. 
since he was a rookie last year, basically. The Bears, yes, they're going to get a lot better, but also the Packers still clobber the Bears every single year. As long as Aaron Rodgers is there, and this is this is assuming that Rodgers is going to be here the next season, Rodgers is going to clobber the Bears regardless. If he's in the if he's in Green Bay, he's going to dominate them. Number seven, the AFC South. Last year, the Titans eleven and five, the Colts eleven and five. Seven games later, the Texans at four and twelve, Jags at one and fifteen. The Titans and Colts, they'll still be good. It's still going to be a good competition between the two, but it's really only competition between two teams of the division. That's not that competitive. The Jags will be a little bit better, as I said before. Texans should remain the same if Watson's still stuck with just Will Fuller. And the defense is worse without J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt was just the star of the defense. He was their veteran. He was their leader. He's gone. He's not there anymore. Number six, the A, the NFC South. Saints last year, 12-4. and four. Then the Bucks, 11-5. Six game down to Panthers, 5-11. Falcons, 4-12. This is most likely going to be competition between two teams as well, the Bucks and the Falcons or the Bucks and the Saints. The Saints probably won't be as good with since they don't have Breeze, but they could potentially be good. They could potentially be playoff caliber because they do have Jameis Winston and after the eye surgery, he might not throw 30 interceptions in a season. We're hoping at least. The Bucks, they're going to be amazing still. They're still a Super Bowl caliber, a Super Bowl contender. They are one of the only reigning Super Bowl teams to keep all of their players that were going to free agency. They did not let one single player get away in free agency. The Falcons, new head coach. You never new coach, new head coaches are usually a hit or miss unless they were a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator coordinator that after years and years they have been just there's one no doubt but new coach for the Falcons not going to know if he's going to be amazing not going to know if he's going to be horrible uh you still have a star-studded offense you have Calvin Ridley you have Matt Ryan uh Cordero Patterson Julio Jones probably going to go to some other team we'll talk about that a little bit later soon to come stay tuned for that Panthers, they have Sam Darnold, yes. And paired with Matt Rule, that's going to be a good combination because Matt Rule will be able to develop Sam Darnold the way that the Jets never were able to do. But they still need a defense. They still need a playoff contender or playoff-ready defense. They don't have that yet, Uh, especially with Luke Keekley. He's gone. He's been gone for a while. Okay, number five, the AFC West. Chiefs, 14-2 last year. Raiders, 8-8 eight eight last year. Chargers, 7-9 last year. Broncos, 5-11 last year. The Chiefs, there was super, there were, there's really only one, maybe three, if you're including the Raiders, for competition. But then again, the Chiefs are the Super Bowl, made the Super Bowl the past two years. They lost Sammy Watkins, but they also now have a star-studded O-line. They have Joe Tooney. Tooney that they signed. They signed Kyle Long. They signed Austin Blythe. This is just going to be an amazing offensive line. The Chiefs regretted not having an offensive line in the Super Bowl. They're determined to have an offensive line now. Chargers. 
their QBs improving. They have a better offense. There's better connection between Keenan Allen and the quarterback. There's uh they have a better defense now. It's it, they're going to get better 100%. The Raiders will probably stay the same cuz that's just how the Raiders operate. They also lost Nelson Aguilar, so they probably won't be as good. But it'll probably be a solid 8-8 eight eight team. Might cause an L to the Chiefs because that's what happened last year and the year before that. Raiders usually give the Chiefs a tough, to- tough time because Raiders, they are a vertical type of team on offense. They just go for the Hail Marys. They go for the long shots like the Chiefs. And that's what the Chiefs struggle with because it's just... You're going in just all-out offense, pure offense. All right, number four, the AFC East. Bills, 13-3 and last year. Dolphins, 10-6 and last year. Patriots, 7-9 and last year. Jets, 2-14 and last year. The There's just, in this division, there's going to be three teams that are going to be competitive. The Bills, Dolphins, Patriots. More Less of the Dolphins, but more Bills and Patriots, because remember... Patriots, Bill Belichick gives everybody a tough time. Every single new QB or young QB a tough time. He's going to give the Bills QB, the Dolphins QB, the Jets QB. Bill Belichick is going to give everybody a tough time. So it's it's not going to be easy. The Bills might lose one game to the Patriots. Dolphins might lose one game to the Patriots. The Patriots are going to the playoffs this year. Uh, so it's going to be... It's going to be tough trying to figure out who's going to win the division. It, it'll most likely be the Bills because they're just, they, they're amazing. They're going to just keep getting better with Josh Allen. Uh, Dolphins, they lost Fitzpatrick, not convinced with Tua, but they still have a very good defense. The Patriots, lots of, lots of offseason changes with Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, Mac Jones. And the Jets still need a lot of work, but they did have good improvements. They won't be competitive, but they will have a better record. Number three, the AFC North. The Steelers last year, 12-4. The Browns, 11-5. Ravens, 11-5. Bengals, 4-11-1. Steelers got Najee Harris. Claypool's going to get better in the second year. The Browns, Ravens, and Steelers can still be very competitive with each other. Browns are getting a better defense and offense because of OBJ is coming back and the second year in coach's system. Baker Mayfield's going to con- get continue improving because he's in Kevin Stefanski's system and seems to work well in that. Ravens, they signed Sammy Watkins. Watkins, they got Josh Oliver at tight end. At tight end, they got Kevin Zeitler at O line. Lamar's going to get a better offensive line. He's going to get another option in Sammy Watkins and Josh Oliver if he gets a lot of playing time. So. Browns, Ravens, Steelers, that's going to be pretty competitive, especially because the Steelers, they had the worst running offense last year. They got Najee Harris, a stud at running back. He's going to be able to perform and get them, get their running offense together. Number two, the NFC East. Washington last year, 7-9. Giants, 6-10. Cowboys, 6-10. Eagles, 4-11-1. The Cowboys, these are their defensive additions. Micah Parsons, Keanu Neal, Jabril Cox, Kelvin Joseph, DeMonte Kazi, and Dak is back. Giants, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Adoree Jackson, Kyle Rudolph, Aziz Ajilari, and also Saquon is back. Eagles, Ryan Kerrigan, Devonta Smith, Karrion Johnson, Anthony Harris, Joe Flacco, and Jalen Hurts is in, in his second year. He's going to keep improving at an exponential rate. Washington, Fitzmagic is back. 
he's he's in Washington. They're gonna have they have a quarterback that's gonna be both a veteran and good. Remember, Fitzpatrick he's not bad. He's the reason that the Dolphins last year in the playoffs. They also have Curtis Samuel, Jamin Davis, William Jackson, Adam Humphreys. So all these teams are getting equally better. Maybe the Cowboys and the and the Giants a little bit more because they're getting Dak and Saquon back. But that kind of levels them out for the season. So I expect a lot of competition between in this division. At number one, we have the Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals, Niners, and the NFC West. Seahawks last year, 12-4, Rams 10-6, Cardinals 8-8, 49ers 6-10. The Seahawks, O-line is better, improving defense, and the Russ is, and Russ is still good. Russ still cooks. They're, they're going to stay a winning team like they always have been under Russ. And they're going to get in the playoffs. Rams. Matt Stafford. Better QB than Goff, in my opinion, because he's more experienced. He's also a better thrower of the ball. They still have solid defense. Cardinals. Better defense. Better offense. They're going to be better overall. 49ers. They have their quarterback from the draft, Trey Lance. Everybody's coming back healthy. 2019 Super Bowl contender form potential. And... NFC West has always been the competitive division. I believe that this will be the most competitive division in the NFL right now. So we know that from recently that Atlanta is on a rebuild. They say to that, and they don't. They are trying to train trade Julio Jones away. So Julio Jones, where will this Falcon fly to? First of all. Jones is going to cost them around 15.3 mil in 2021 at least that doesn't include his bonuses and in the next two seasons after that so 2022 and 2023 he's going to cost them 11.5 mil both seasons each season. He's 30 he's a 32 year old wide receiver. Uh he has the most yards per game in NFL history. At 95.5 yards. So this man is almost getting 100 yards per game. Every game. And in his previous season. He got almost 800 yards. In nine in just nine games. So what are the best trade destinations for this man. For this, for this absolute unit. Number three. The Chargers. They have a good salary cap of 20 mil. And they compare him with Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's a big dude. He's a big wide receiver. Julio Jones, big dude, big wide receiver. That would be an just an amazing duo out on the field. Number two, the Packers. They while they do have a two mil salary cap, they can do some reconstructing, reconstruction of contracts. If Aaron Rodgers decides to stay, he can try to take a sal- a pay cut so they can get some salary cap and they can and I think Rodgers would go with this because if they get Julio Jones. They have Julio Jones, Devontae Adams. That's just wide receiver one and wide receiver two. That's an elite wide receiver core. Lastly, the Ravens. This is probably the best option for Julio Jones uh, in, the, in the most, in the easiest, because the Ravens have a 10 mil salary cap. So Julio Jones can take a pay cut. At, they can ask Atlanta to eat some of his contract up. Ravens can do a, a bit of reconstructing of contracts. They are also in desperate need of wide receivers because they only have Hollywood Brown and Sammy Watkins now. Lamar, if he gets Julio Jones, he'll have Julio Jones at wide receiver one, then Marquise Brown and Sammy Watkins. That's, that's a Super Bowl contender wide receiver core, in my opinion. 
So recently, Julian Edelman says he's retired now. Julian Edelman recently said, I'm a one-team guy. Is he throwing shade at Brady and Gronk? Remember, Gronk retired as a Patriot to only come back a year later as a Buck and win the Super Bowl. Brady and Belichick had their falling out, and Brady was like, okay, bye. I'm going to, I'm going to the Bucks. going to win my seventh Super Bowl and bring Gronk with me. Do you think Edelman was left out of this decision? I, th- I think that could be possible. That could be possible. Because Edelman, I don't think he knew that Gronk was going to retire and then go to the Bucks. I think he, by saying I'm a one-team type of guy, he's trying to say that Brady and Gronk, they abandoned him. So, Juwan James, he, uh, you might not know him, but he's a Broncos offensive tackle. Uh, he was supposed to be paid over $10 million uh, this season, this upcoming season, but he was working out at an away site or an off-site practice facility, and he tore his Achilles. He was then put on injury reserve, and then a couple days later, he was released without pay. So he wasn't paid anything except his $3 million signing bonus, which he, which the Broncos wanted to get out of, but they couldn't. Uh, Broncos, they took up a business approach of paying him nothing. If they weren't taking a business approach, they would have paid him his $10 million, or just a fraction of that, and just released him. But no, they went the business approach did not want to pay him anything. They wanted to save their money. They got rid of him uh, and left him broke. Uh, and the way they did this was, so if they had to pay him, if he got injured during work, if it was due to salary cap issues or because he got worse. But no, Broncos didn't release him because of injury at work. They released him because he got injured someplace else. He wasn't at work. It's not because of salary crap, not because he got worse. So they didn't have to pay anything. Well, that's all for me. Appreciate everybody's support. We out.